0: Welcome to Overlooked, a podcast produced by Tunuka Media. My name is Yemi, and I will be your host for the show. Released weekly, I share Overlooked stories from around the world with you. This will include the good, the bad, the weird, and sometimes the absolutely hilarious. Come back often, share with your friends, and feel free to add the podcast to your regular podcast rotation, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect on social media. Just search for Tunuka Media. That is T-U-N-U-K-A Media. If you learn something new, kindly support the show. Give Overlooked a like or a high rating. This would really help the show grow and get more people like you to learn something new. Finally, if you come across stories or articles that you think should be featured here, please don't hesitate to share them. Now it's time for this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Overlooked. Our first story takes us to the United States, where researchers have now estimated and more than 1,000 tons of tiny plastic microparticles, which is roughly the equivalent of 120 to 300 million plastic water bottles, fall on national parks and protected wilderness areas in the Western United States every year. Most of these plastic particles are found in synthetic microfibers used in making clothing and transported by wind and rain. So you're essentially getting plastic rain. The findings were led by Dr. Janice Brainy of Utah State University and was reported in the June 12th issue of Science Magazine. The title of the feature article is Plastic Rain in Protected Areas of the United States. Dr. Brainy and her team used high-resolution atmospheric disposition data and identified samples of microplastics and other particulates That were collected over 14 months in 11 national parks and wilderness areas. The pollution obviously isn't limited to protected areas, especially when you think that it might be moving both by wind and rain, but that was where Dr. Brainy's team actually focused their efforts. The results show that atmospheric transport is an important part of how microplastic pollution is distributed around the world including to remote locations where we would not have thought to find them before. The research is just the beginning. According to Dr. Brainey, more work needs to be done to understand how microplastics, which are small enough to actually accumulate in lung tissue, move through ecosystems globally. Continuing with a similar theme on plastics, this year, Kenya marked World Environment Day by banning single-use plastics in protected natural areas. Following a presidential directive on last year's World Environment Day, the ban came into effect on the 5th of June 2020 and goes into effect in national parks, beaches, forests, and conservation areas, which means that visitors will no longer be able to carry plastic water bottles, cups, disposable plates, cutlery, or straws to any of these protected areas. This new ban is the latest in Kenya's wide-ranging measures to protect the environment through limiting pollution, further cementing its leadership in environmental conservation and protection. By 2050, the UN estimates that there will be more plastic than fish in the ocean unless governments and the private sector promotes more resource-efficient design, production, use and sound management of plastics throughout their life cycle. Since 1974, the World Environment Day has been celebrated every year on the 5th of June to engage with governments, businesses, celebrities, and citizens to focus their efforts on environmental issues. It recognizes that global change requires a global community and it pushes for individuals to think about the way they consume. For businesses to develop greener models, for farmers and manufacturers to produce more sustainably, for governments to safeguard wild spaces, for educators to inspire students to live in harmony with the earth, and for youth to become fierce gatekeepers of a green future. At this point, I'm gonna give a really huge shout out to one of my good friends, Kelly. You can find her on Instagram as Mia Kels, that's M-I-A-K-E-L-L-D-Z. She's an environmental scientist. And she has been doing an awesome job of educating both myself and a lot of other people that follow her on the environment and little ways by which we can all make a huge difference. Our next story takes us to Tokyo, where a large group of gigantic sumo wrestlers have made a big difference in the life of a woman who was in crisis. Now this story is bittersweet. Just so you know, before we start, she survived. Anyway, I'll go right in. Early in the morning of Wednesday, June 10th, a woman in her 30s was walking near the Kanagakawa River in Tokyo's Adachi Ward and threw herself into the water in an attempt to take her life. Luckily though, a 70-something year old local resident saw the woman fall into the river and shouted, don't die. He then whipped out his phone and called paramedics. It turns out that the closest building to the bridge just so happens to be a dormitory slash training facility for sumo wrestlers. It also so happens that they were already up and about as part of an early rise regimen and jumped straight into action. In total, approximately 20 wrestlers rushed in to save the woman who appeared to be drowning and they were able to pull her out of the water and safely onto dry land. Not only that, a number of them also combined their might to lift the stretcher onto the road and over a barricade between the riverbank and the street level where the ambulance was parked. Doctors have later reported that the woman suffered no serious injuries and the local police precinct is considering a certificate of commendation for the wrestlers as well as the man who first noticed the woman jumping. Now, regardless of how the careers of these wrestlers turn out, they've all proven themselves to be champions, at least in my eyes, with outstanding kindness and quick thinking. So wherever you are, give them a round of applause. This next story is kind of hilarious, but also not really depending on how it would have gone. Poland accidentally invaded Czech Republic recently. Um, So you'd be forgiven for not knowing that the Polish military recently invaded and briefly occupied a part of the Czech Republic. No, I don't blame you. It appears that even the Polish troops didn't know what they were doing. The Polish military has admitted that it accidentally invaded the Czech Republic in late May, but it insists that it was simply a misunderstanding. Like, whoops, sorry. Polish soldiers mistakenly crossed the country's border before setting up there, according to the Czech foreign ministry. Essentially, the soldiers simply established their post in the wrong location. After setting up, these soldiers started turning away Czech citizens who are actually attempting to visit a church located in their own country. Czech officials said their diplomats immediately notified their Polish counterparts and the Polish soldiers have now moved away from the site. The Czech foreign ministry has said there is no hard feelings, it was only a mistake, it happens. While this next story was recently republished, I don't believe it's the first time it's been covered. In fact, I did see reports of similar coverage going back all the way to 2014, and I'll talk about it when I get there. But essentially what I would like to do is highlight a short documentary that I found on mika mining, a mineral that is loved for its sparkle, especially by the cosmetics industry. Some 60% of the world's production of mika originates in two of India's most poverty states. Bihar and Jackhand. However, before Maker actually ends up in any of the shiny lipsticks and other makeup products that some of us know and love, it crosses many borders and through networks of middlemen and wholesalers that make it hard to trace the origins. This lack of traceability helps conceal a very, very harsh reality. Unknown to many customers like myself until I came across this recent documentary, it is often extracted using old methods and in close-to-slave-like conditions. And as I said earlier, this is not the first time it's been reported on. In fact, in 2014, Lush Cosmetics committed to removing all traces of mica from its products over concerns that it was unable to guarantee that the mines which extract the product are free from child labor. So what is Mika? Mika is the name given to a mineral that gives sparkle to products. Depending on how coarse or fine the mineral is, it will produce different effects. In makeup, it may be listed as mica, Potassium Aluminium Silicate, and CI77019. Not to say all mica is bad, there have been advances where synthetic mica can be made. It has the same luminous um, properties and it's also able to give that shine. But because it is created in a lab, it is completely cruelty-free. What brought this story to my attention, you may ask? Al Jazeera's 101 East released a half-hour documentary where they tried to trace the supply chain of Mika from the Indian countryside all the way to laboratories of major cosmetic brands in Europe. It is worth your time to go watch it. Finally for this week, European Union nations led by Germany, France, Italy and the Netherlands have signed a contract for pre-orders of a coronavirus vaccine currently in development. They signed an initial deal with a pharmaceutical company called AstraZeneca for over 300 million doses of a promising coronavirus vaccine currently still in an experimental phase, according to Germany's health ministry. Doses of the vaccine would be distributed to countries relative to their population as soon as it is ready. While these four countries signed the deal, EU members can participate in the program. The vaccine is expected to be finished by the end of this year, so by the end of 2020. The German health ministry said that the four countries had formed a vaccine alliance and they are also in talks with other pharmaceutical companies regarding potential vaccines against COVID-19. So, yes, they have signed with AstraZeneca, but they are not putting their eggs in one basket. They are talking to other companies. The vaccine from AstraZeneca, developed with the University of Oxford, is one of a handful of vaccines that is currently in the clinical evaluation phase, according to the World Health Organization. That brings us to the end of this episode. Have yourselves an amazing, amazing week. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening, friends. As a reminder, the podcast is released weekly. Subscribe or follow across social media to be notified when a new episode is released. Overlooked is a Tunuka Media production, which also includes shows like Africa in My Kitchen, with more on the way. Follow Tunuka Media on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to connect to say hi or to be on the forefront of upcoming shows and program schedules. Until next time, I'm your host, Yemi, wishing you a better tomorrow.